Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers Who Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Helaman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers Who Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group held every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to MothersWhoKnow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Good morning and welcome to Mom Power. Oh, I'm so excited to have Amber here today and so appreciative that she's here to share her insights and messages with us, but also just appreciative of her as a person and the things that she has the ability to do and has had the inspiration and drive to do. I love the title of her presentation, don't you? Connecting with teens in a positive and uplifting way. That almost seems like an oxymoron. (laughs) I'm so glad I know what that word means. Like I was like, are you sure you know what that word means, Karen? Oxymoron. Yes, I do. I did say that right. So yes, just this morning, um, I had an interaction with my teen that made me cry with joy because I was so appreciative of the interaction we had that was not like the usual one that we had. And so, so grateful for this topic. And um, I just want to, yeah, Amber is, you can check her out at Teen Take 30 is how you find her, or you can even Google Amber Robbins and look for Teen Take 30. And then her family, she cares so deeply about families and um how we connect with our children and doing it in powerful, positive ways. And I'm just been so thankful to even just go look at her site and the things that she does because they've been helpful for me just in the week since I met Amber um, to just be so appreciative of the thoughts that I'm having as the interactions I'm having with my own children of 
just a little bit that I've looked at her site and visited with her, but she had such a great spirit of service. So, all right. So Amber, um, we are just gonna, yeah, thank you. Stop the share and I'm going to make sure you're unmuted. I'm gonna do it. There we go. Okay. Good morning, Amber. Good morning, Karen. How are you? <laughs> Good. We are so glad that you're here. So thankful. Just like I said, you know, this morning I thought I'm a little emotional for this kind interaction my team and I just had because it's a little unusual. At, you know, most of the time it's kind of unusual to have this great interaction where I think I completely trust what you said. I feel like you're coming from a really good, honest place and that your motives are good. And so I'm just agreeing with everything about that. And after it was over, I said, can I just thank you? And I started to cry. And I just said, can I just thank you for this interaction that we've had? I said, it is so wonderful to know that I completely trust you right now in what you said. And that I just feel so supportive of where you're at and that you are completely responsible and capable of what you just shared with me. And I can just agree with you and support that. Ah, oh, it was so cool. It just made me cry. And I could tell she was like, why are we crying about this? <laughs> <laughs> so that connection, right? Yes. Oh, and we're so glad you're here because we're all about moms. And one of the things that I've just been, before we get into our interview, I just thought, can you tell us a little bit more about you? Tell us more about just who you are and what you like to do on Saturday when you're doing whatever. Just tell us more about who you are and how you came to do what you're doing. Certainly. So again, my name is Amber Robbins and I live in Utah. I have four children. So I have a teen, a tween, and then two younger boys. So I, I'm dealing with all of the different facets of being a mother right now and all of its busyness. Um, I also have been working, I'm currently in school right now to be a school counselor. And my passion is very much helping teens to overcome some of the many challenges that they face. I, I see a lot of the things that teens face today and I, it breaks my heart because I think, I don't think that I would have been a good teen today. I feel very blessed, honestly, that I was a teen when I was because it was hard then and these teens face so many struggles that it just, you know, this is the rising generation. They face a lot and they are rising. And I'm so privileged to be a mother and a friend to a lot of teens and help them rise just like all of you mothers are. And I, I love that that's part of our message of hope is that we all face struggles, you know, as parents and teens, and this is the rising generation. And I love that we all are united in this and trying to help them rise. Um, so I have created a couple of programs that we'll talk about. Um, and I have faced trauma in my own life. I faced some bullying as, as an adult that led to some, some issues that arose in my family. And so that's kind of how we, um, how I came up honestly with Teen Tape 30 is just life lessons for me and through my education through school right now. Like I said, I'm currently getting a master's degree and my desire is just to help teens and to help parents and connection is one of my top 
priorities and things that I love learning more about because it's so interesting, so interesting, all mm -hmm. of the benefits. Yeah, and connection is so powerful. Um, I, it doesn't matter um, what's going on in your life. If you can at some level connect, even if it's just with a text, send out a text. I just talked to a, a woman yesterday and she said, when I get really low, if I'll just send out five texts where I'm just complimenting people and making them feel like they're awesome. And then she said, it just changes how I feel. And then what's really cool is they send me back something really awesome. Isn't that yeah. nice how that works that way? And there, re there is research to back that up because I've noticed that in my own life. And I thought, I wonder why this is. And so I'm a nerd. So I have researched all of this and there is a true science behind the benefits of service to people, both to the giver and the receiver. So I love that example. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and really connection is, if you, so a lot of you who are here in our webinar today are familiar with um, the principle of uh, warrior chemistry. It's something we teach in some, in our trainings, but part of that literally is to use a purposeful, meaningful connection um, and literally, the reason we do it is to shift our chemistry to a positive place on purpose. We know that God gave us the ability to help ourselves when we're having strong feelings and our chemistry is getting a little wacky. So, so good. And that connection is one of it, is part of it. Uh, one of the things that I just love that I've come across as I've studied you more and figured out what you're doing. It's not really that I'm studying you. That sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like I'm studying what you do. I love that you have said that um, just that thought of teach at home mom. Can you explain that a little bit and why that came, came up in your mind to, to just express it like that? Certainly. So it's actually a concept that I came up with quite a few years ago. And when I was a young mother, I worked from home. Um, I did marketing consulting and I had quite a few clients and, you know, I had two little kids at home and it was really busy. And, you know, then since then I, I stopped working, you know, from home and I, I got, I had more children and they got older and a little more busy. And like I said, now I'm going back to school with the intent to go be a school counselor and work outside of the home to help, you know, children in addition to my own. And I just remember being a young mother and hearing all of the conversations between mothers as we do, you know, it's that connection. And sometimes it's positive and sometimes it can be a little comparative because we're human, right? And I just remember hearing so much, you know, it's better to be a stay-at-home mom. It's better to be a work-from-home mom. It's better to be you know, I'd rather be out working outside of the home. And there just seems to be a lot of negativity between moms about our role and where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. And I reflected a lot about that because I've been all three of, or I will soon be, all three of those, of those mothers. And I feel like I'm doing my best. And I think that all mothers out there, no matter their circumstance, we all have different family situations and different backgrounds, uh, different circumstances, you know, different job things that we have to, different commitments that we have. 
And it just really hit me one day. And I just thought, you know, how would it be instead of these comparisons between who's better and what's better and what's better for our kids to focus instead on being what I like to call a teach at home mom. And that really is just that. And the thought process behind that is we all have different schedules. We're all busy. We're all doing our very best. And so maybe to take the focus to let's be unified and saying, you know what, we are going to be great moms and teach at home when we're home with them. Using the opportunities, as we're talking about today with connection, to model for our children, you know, appropriate ways to act and to model service. You know, modeling is something that I've studied so much about. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like the Come Follow Me program you know, that our churches is doing right now. Christ didn't say, go and do that. He said, come follow me. And I, I take that as a mom. I think that all the time. And I think, am I acting in the way that I should be acting so that I can say to my children, come follow me and not, okay, go and do that. And so that's a big part of that teach at home mom concept as well. It's just being aware as a mom that, you know, we can definitely utilize the time that we're home with our children whenever that may be to teach them, to teach them correct principles, to bond with them, to connect with them, to model appropriate things. So. Ah, so good. That's so powerful. Just that thought of, you know, using the Savior's words, but really he's saying, come do like I do and learn like I learn and, you know, trust me. I, it's, that is so cool. Come follow me. Can I, you know, be teaching in a way and interacting in the moments that I do have intentionally. So good. Okay, you know, one of the things that I just love too as you're talking is to consider the um, just the idea you had about teaching and about the dynamic in your family, the dynamic of, and you know, we're all on the family team. And we as the parents have this really critical role and talking about just the overall idea of that is so awesome. The analogy that you use, would you share with us what you mean by, by this, uh, what parents are on the team and how that enhances our family and interactions and connections with our kids? Certainly. So I, again, have four children and all of them play different sports. They're all active in different things. And I have sat through quite a few games and practices. My husband's coach, I've helped running coach, you know, coach running. So it's, it's been really interesting to me. I've seen really, really good coaches for my children and I've seen how they get in there and they model and they're you know, they'll tell them what they're doing wrong, but they'll do it positively. And then they'll follow up quickly with, you know, praise and great job. And, you know, and, and they'll really get in to the down and dirty with what they're trying to teach in regards to sports. And we call our family Team Robins. Like that's kind of, I mean, all the time, you know, we're Team Robins. And we really try to tell them, you know, just like a team, we're all different. We all have different strengths. We all have different weaknesses. We all have different things that we're working on. You know, none of it. And we are very clear, you know, our, as parents, we're not perfect either. And so, you know, that's kind of how that concept came to be is that we really refer to ourselves as, as teams. And a lot of our kids, kids is struggling. We'll pull the rest of them aside and say, you know, 
your sibling is struggling with this right now, or this is one of their weaknesses, how can we help them overcome this? And so just, I feel just very strongly as I've learned in my own life, you know, as parents, I think it's so easy to react and wait until you get to the referee stage, right? Where things get a little out of hand and we come in and we say, wait, 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 this is not okay. But at that point, not that it's too late because it can still definitely be a teaching moment, but is it necessarily the best time to step in for the first time? I've learned in my own life because I've done all three of them. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's very much something that I've learned. That it's better for me to be a good coach and to model and to be active in the plays of their life, not to control because obviously we're coaching them. You know, our goal as parents is to teach our kids so that one day they can go sail their own ship. It's not so that we can control their every move and be in charge of their lives. It's to teach them so that they can make, you know, correct decisions and they're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes and I'm a lot older than them, right? But I really just feel like it's, you know, to take a coach mentality as a parent and be involved from the get-go positively, I've learned has been the best for me. And then, you know, the next step would be to be a cheerleader. You know, we love to tell our kids, you know, we're cheering you on. And even in regards to peers, you know, are you cheering your friend on or, you know, and they'll come home and tell us that a friend's struggling. And we say, you know, how could you cheer them on? You know, cheering people on is something that is so, such a big part of, of my mission as well and, and just in my belief. And then that third part there is, again, that referee, which as parents, we all have to step in and do that. That is part of our role, definitely. But again, I've learned that for me specifically, to do things in that order is kind of the best case scenario from my experience. Ah, that's so good. And it makes so much sense. Uh, as you were talking, I was thinking of that scripture that uh, raise up a child in the way that they should go. Cause really we want them when they depart from our home, we want them to stay in a place where they can manage themselves well, and um, something I'm noticing, just because um, I had a 10-year gap between my three older children who are now married and having children, and then I have two teenagers, 10 years in between those. And so I literally have had to approach my parenting different with these two younger kids than I have these three adult kids because they were born into a world full of technology. And um, these other kids, um, I call them, I call it the, the era of being ambushed by technology. <laughs> we, none of us knew what we were doing and we were like, no way. I didn't know you could see that and that my kids were looking at that. I mean, we just had no idea when the internet came online, how that was going to affect our families. So a lot of times I've thought we were all ambushed. None of us, we were just like going along and thought, what's going on? But now it's almost like I had to adjust me because my children had a lot of interaction with technology. And we really tried at our house to just, you know, manage, like not just handing people smartphones and all that kind of stuff, but it's part of their world and you can't deny and ignore that because it's part of their world and you want them to be successful in their world not just do it the way I think, because I'm afraid that that world, I don't understand it enough, and there's so much danger there, I don't know how to do that. But one thing I've noticed 
with myself that I've had to evaluate. And also so many women that I talk to is because there's technology, you don't even need to be a coach. Just let your phone take care of it. Let, their, let the phone take care of your kids. Let the technology take care of your kids. And um, yeah, I just, even my own daughters, my daughter and my daughter and daughter-in-laws, they really have had to notice, wow, okay, this really has to, we have to be connecting in our kids' faces and have interactions with them. Otherwise, they would prefer having a virtual world 24-7. So they've had to really restrict and limit and be intentional about how they're parenting their little kids with technology. So anyway, I love that analogy. But as I bring that up, Amber, what comes to your mind to share with us? You know, I just really feel strongly that, you know, it's just really never too late to start trying to connect. And again, I, it's interesting because I have, you know, I'm, I have a teenager and a tween and the technology that you're talking about, like I said, that's it. I just feel like, I don't think I would have fared well because it affects me and impacts me as an adult. And to see how, you know, some of these teens and tweens have to navigate, you know, it really is for me, because I have thought a lot about this. And as you mentioned, Karen, we can't, technology is part of the world. So as much as it makes us a little nervous as parents, it's that balance of how do we approach this knowing that this is going to be what they have access to the rest of their lives. And there's a lot of good things with technology. There truly are. You know, I was telling my kids the other day, you know, all I wanted for my birthday, because I think I told you before, privately, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I research things. All I wanted for my birthday one year when I was like 11 was an encyclopedia set. And my family didn't have one because I like to read. And we didn't have the internet. And they were shocked. They said, you had to go and look at a book by, you know, the alphabetized section of what you were looking at. And we just laughed and laughed about that because again, they don't have that comprehension that what they have access to is pretty great. It can be pretty mm -hmm. scary, but it's pretty great. So they just laughed. Like they just could not believe that we used to have to use encyclopedias and that that is what I wanted for my birthday one year. But having said that, we really take a training wheels approach. I have really studied the in and outs of, you know, brain, development and maturity that way and just even through some of my own experiences you know we are just very we're trying to approach you know not that I'm saying it's the perfect way but it's worked for us we really try to approach technology with a training wheels approach knowing that eventually they're going to be on the mountain bike doing these amazing things in the mountains on their own but is that the best way to approach that when they're 11, 12, and 13 to give them the mountain bike then and say, okay, well, you're going to be on it one day. So go figure it out. You know, we mm -hmm. really feel like it's a training wheels approach and let them understand and comprehend certain components of a cell phone and have access to certain things, you know, in that coach role. And then, you know, as they get older, they kind of have a little bit more developmentally awareness and understanding, but they also have different, you know, additional privileges. So again, we kind of just take a training wheels approach to technology. That's awesome. And I know um, in case some of these moms are thinking the same thing I'm thinking um, is, could you just give us a couple of examples of how you do a training wheels approach? What are some things you know, that you've done? 
Yeah, certainly. So I had just done a lot of studies. So I refer to this on my Teen Take 30 account and also a little bit on my website, but there is a researcher, there's a lot of, of current brain research right now that's done on brain plasticity and brain development. And the cool thing is, is, you know, you can't open up someone's brain and see how things work. And so until that, you know, fMRIs and different imaging technology was available, we didn't really have a lot of understanding about the brain. So the amazing thing is, is we do now and we can, you know, not me personally, I study the research, I don't study the brains, but luckily we have all of these great neuroscientists that are really taking the time and the effort to understand what the teen brain is. So there is a, an author that I really like, her name is Dr. Frances Jensen, and she is a neuroscientist. So that's kind of where I've gotten my approach for this training wheels approach, but Really, they say at about 15 is when that understanding and that brain development as far as consequences comes into play. And, you know, but that's also why they do so well on the SAT and the ACT college exams is because at that point they are peaked. They have understanding of social things. Now, their brains are not fully developed until they're in their 20s, they have found out. So that doesn't mean they're ready for everything. It just means that's kind of when they know consequences of their actions. And so we as just as a family personally, you know, we gave our daughter a smartphone because, you know, we wanted to give her a little Nokia phone and she was like, no, my friends have it and it's hard to text on. So we met in the middle and we said, okay, we'll give you a nice looking phone that's, that's older, but it is a smartphone. But when she's 12 and 13, she has, you know, texting. She doesn't have internet. She doesn't have a camera. You know, I see girls that come to my house and they just do selfies all day long. And I think I would not have fared well as, as a young child. You know, I was lucky. My husband and I talk about this a lot. When I was a teen, you know, I only saw myself in the mirror when I went to the bathroom and I saw myself for the day and then I'd go back to class. You know, and if I happened to have to go to the restroom that day is when I saw how I looked. And these poor girls with their phones, you know, in reverse mode. I mean, how, I don't know, I would not have done well being able to view how I looked and take filters and change things all day long. And so really that's what we're trying to help her mm -hmm. understand before she gets to the age. We're trying to help our children realize that the phone is a great thing. There's great access, there's great technology, but that it's not an appendage of who they are. And so we don't just gift wrap it and say, here's all the apps, figure it out. You know, let us know how it works out. We, we kind of use kind of, again, a training wheel or baby steps approach where, you know, there's great things on a phone, but we, we talk through, you know, this is, these are some rules that we have, you know, we have a contract, just like when you go get a driver's license, you know, they don't just say, okay, great, you know, go out and, and drive around. You have to prove that you understand the rules. You have to understand that, you know, the consequences and you do have a policeman that occasionally, you know, can check your phone or can check in and, I mean, I'm an adult and that's, that's the rules of life for me as well, for, as far as accountability goes. And so that's kind of just some of the ways that we approach it, not in a controlling way, but in a really mindful, we talk a lot about it, about mindfulness, about screen time, about, you know, and I've had multiple parents come up to me that don't know how we do our system to, you know, in youth groups and at school that say, you know, what are you doing with your kids with their phone? Because your daughter's not addicted to it like everyone else. And I just kind of laugh and say, well, she doesn't really have access to many things right now to be addicted to. I mean, you know, because we're using this kind of approach and we're not saying never, we're just saying, okay, you know, at 12 and 13, this is, 
you know, kind of the limitations that we have. And then as you get older, we progress and it really has worked out very well for us. So again, I'm not saying that's the only way, but mm -hmm. for us, it's been very effective. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love just that idea of your phone actually can affect your identity. You know, and when we can do it in a balanced way, like a, a smart way that says, um, let's do a lot of educating, a lot of communicating and a lot of discussing. And, and like you said, even meeting in the middle, you know, cause we don't get where they're at. We don't, we aren't them. We aren't the teen and all the stuff that they deal with. But, um, yeah, that's a wonderful approach because so many of the decisions we make about the technology we share with our children has to do with how strongly they feel about it and how big of a pushback they're giving and us not knowing how to manage that stand our ground kind of thing and this is the way we're going to do it uh yeah so to start and understand that a phone connects can connect to and affect someone's identity and how they see the world and to be very careful to teach them their divine identity the way you want them to see it and how divine identity also leans toward we are 100% responsible for ourselves and to maintain that identity in order to be successful and to connect that to that education. That's so cool. All right. Oh, do you know what? Just because we're on phones, will you quickly tell us the four apps every teen needs? I think that is so cool. Listen to this, gals. She has the four apps every teen needs, and they are so cool. So write these down. So, and there's a myriad of different things that you can do, but this goes along with my Teen Take 30 program um, as far as what it focuses on and why you need them. But there is an app that's called Insight. It's a free app. It's called Insight Timer. So I-N-S-I-G-H-T. And that is really, it's a, it's a meditation. Um, you can have self-guided meditation. You can do just music. And really that is a fabulous way at night, specifically as when we use it. You can have teens use it anytime during the day. I have found for us both with just kind of winding down for the day, signing off. You know, they've done all of these studies with, you know, the light from cell phones and televisions and devices that really kind of change, you know, the rhythm of our sleep and the way that we go to sleep. And so this is a way for you to, and you can, there's a lot of different functions, a lot of different options with it, but again, it's free. So we just spend, you know, 10 to 15 minutes every night doing this meditation and it just again kind of winds your brain down it helps with mindfulness kind of brings you back instead of going to bed anxious about what's happened that day or what's going to happen the next day so that is one there's one there's an app that's called grateful and there's a couple of different ones that you can use um, again for younger teens I'm very much of the paper approach for this instead of a technology approach but some people prefer to do this in their phone and it's just to track gratitude and it's not even to track gratitude, it's to practice gratitude. You know, we can all say, oh, I'm grateful for this and I'm grateful for this, but there's something very real about taking the time to practice it and reflect about it and actually write it down. 
in something. So again, for younger teens, I am very much a believer of, you know, the paper journals to do that. I know some older teens um, like to do that. Um, so those are just some, and there's a couple of different ones on my website as far as, you know, some of those apps, but really they're just to help focus on meditation, affirmations, service, and then practicing gratitude to just kind of aid in that. Because sometimes people don't know where to start. So it's kind of a good, a good education right there to have something to kind of walk you through it. Oh, excellent. All right. Thank you so much. And it, was that four apps or was that two apps that you shared? Um, that was, yeah, that was two. The other ones are listed on, on the website. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you know, tell us more about your team take 30 tool. It's so awesome. And I love that it focuses on three areas of life. So vital, like no wonder these apps would be so good for kids, but for anybody, for me, they'd be great for me when I so good. Yes, yeah, so this is a program, again, it's called Teen Take 30, and basically what it is, is it's teens taking 30 minutes a day to develop a peaceful mind and a happy heart, and basically, you know, a lot of these things are things that people just did 20 and 30 years ago daily, but I feel like technology has kind of pushed a lot of that out for a lot of us, and so it's, it's not just helpful for teens. I do all of these every day. In fact, I created these because, again, I mentioned I have um, faced trauma of my own, and this really was my, with many, many hours and years, really, of research and, and practicing different things, this has been so healing and so helpful for me and my family. And so um, what it is, is it's just, let me just paint for you how you can do this, and it, there's no wrong way to do it. Um, but it really is taking 15 minutes every day uh, for meditation and affirmations. I like to split that up, and I really feel like especially teens need this. Um, before they go to school is, and face their, their peers is when I believe affirmations come into play. And really, this is just a habit. So it might take a while to get into the habit and to remind. But I'm a fan of affirmations when they're getting ready in the morning. And even like them writing, you know, the affirmation that they're going to say for a week. And affirmation is basically just positive self-talk. You know, I am a good person. I am a kind person. I am a strong person. You know, if someone's being mean to them, you know, I know who I am. Or if they're struggling with, you know, their grades in school, you know, I can do hard things. So I like them to be kind of a five word just because they have kind of a cadence to that. They don't have to be a five word summary. You just don't want it too long because then it gets too overwhelming and too confusing. Um, but I like to write, like have them write a little on a post-it note on their bathroom mirror because every team, right, spends time getting ready in the mirror every morning and just taking time to make it easy. They look at it and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to say my affirmations. And just repeat that to themselves. And again, that sounds like, oh, well, that sounds kind of silly. However, there really is science behind, and even more so today, it's amazing how they're studying this. The affirmations aid, and it's, it's part of that brain plasticity that we've talked about. If they're talking to themselves positively and they're going into the day with positive strength and positive feelings about themselves, it really does impact how they're feeling about themselves and the way that they're acting throughout the day. So 
affirmations, I would spend about five minutes of that in the morning. And then that other 10 minutes of that meditation affirmations is what I would use that insight, insight timer um, at night to do that 10 minutes. And again, there's no right or wrong way to do that. Some people like a self-guided one where it talks them through calming down. My kids like the music and I just tell them just relax, just, you know, pretend or imagine that you're on a beach and just let your mind empty. And so they like every night. And it's funny because if we don't do it, we put a speaker in all of our kids' rooms so that they can go to bed listening to this. And we do 10 minutes of it. And if we forget and start doing something else after we put them to bed, they'll come up and say, where's meditation? You know, and these are from my teen down to my five-year-old. And so it really, and it's amazing how it helps them sleep and how it calms them down for the day. Like this is tried and true to my, tried and true at my house. Um, the next part of the teen take 30 is taking 10 minutes a day to serve someone. And my belief on this, again, it can happen anytime during the day, but I feel like for teens, lunchtime or in between classes is a good time for them to have this on their mind because it's 10 minutes. You know, if they're the popular cool kid, that can mean inviting someone new to come sit by them at lunch. You know, and we have our kids report on this at dinner. What did you do to serve someone today? So they know that they're going to be accountable to us for, for having done this in a positive way. And if they haven't done it by then, we say, okay, well, you know, be thinking about what you can do between now and bedtime to serve someone. So it's, it's a positive, you know, okay, well, if you didn't do it, that's okay, but focus on something that you can do. You know, and on the flip side, if they're a teen that's kind of struggling and are, are a little bit insecure or really not sure who they are, which honestly, I've been in a lot of junior highs. That's most of them, right? I remember that was me. That's just part of junior high. And so it's really good to challenge them to still reach outside of themselves, even if they're not the cool popular kid, and to reach outside themselves and look for someone who maybe is sitting by themselves, themselves or to smile at someone, to make a conscious effort to just say, hey, how are you doing today? To recognize someone for who they are in the eyes and not necessarily looking down at their phone. Now, some teens are super shy and I understand that too. And so I always tell teens, you know, if you're really not comfortable talking to people or, you know, face to face, have that be your goal, but that's okay. Just move on from that and start doing it like a text, like, hey, how are you today? Or sincere compliments. You know, you, your shirt was really cute today. I really liked it. Or I hope you're having a great day. Or it looked like you were struggling today. Is there something I can do to help you? And they seem like little minuscule things, but really, again, there is science that really shows that not only the receiver benefits from this, but the giver. And um, it just kind of changes, changes their brain, but it also takes their focus to someone else instead of the oh my goodness, everyone's looking at me, you know, that egocentric, that really is a stage, you know, that egocentric um, stage of being a teenager where they feel like everyone's looking at them and where they feel like, you know, everyone's seeing what I'm wearing and what I'm not doing. And I, I'm sure we can all agree, like teens go through that. And that really is a brain developmental stage for them. So that's a real thing. As much as, as parents, we can be like, no one cares what you're wearing. No one cares what you're, you know, that your hair's a little out of whack today, but for them, that is very real. And so that helps them come outside of themselves and out of their own brain and their mind and to serve someone else. Um, and to, again, to do that daily, whether it's a lunchtime or not, doesn't matter, but it gives them the opportunity to look outside of themselves and focus on other people and see needs and feel needs. Um, and then that third component of that 30 minutes 
is taking five minutes each day to practice gratitude. And Oprah, I love Oprah. She talks a lot about this, and I'm not just quoting her because there is a lot of science that backs this. But if you're interested in, in practicing gratitude, she is definitely one of you know the current experts and current things. She, she talks about how she practices gratitude every day and how it's changed her life. She has a couple of uh, partnerships and collaborations with, with experts of um, gratitude that she does podcasts and stuff with that are really interesting. But again, having them write down or in that, you know, grateful electronic journal or however they do it, I feel like that's a good time at, at night, right before their meditation to just sit down and practice three things, not paragraphs, not, you know, a dissertation, but for them to sit down and think, what are three things specifically that I'm grateful for today? And I kind of challenge people to be a little bit more specific and look outside of the box, not just, oh, I'm grateful for my family and I'm grateful for my clothes and I'm grateful for food. And that's okay as a starting point, but it really helps them to take their focus to God. And so that meditation affirmations takes their focus to their best, their best self. The service takes their focus to others. And then the gratitude practice takes their focus to God. And it really is kind of all encompassing to help these teenagers be a little bit more whole in their view of things and in their view of themselves. So. Ah, so good. It's so good. Just that, just recognizing that we really literally have a relationship with ourselves. And if it gets out of balance, we get so out of balance. If we don't pay attention to ourselves or do have some level of awareness that's intentional, uh, we start feeling like, I don't know why tears are coming out of my eyes. They just are. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're just coming out of my eyes. So I think that, ah, that's so good. So to be aware of their, themselves and then also to know it's not just about me. That that connection piece that we talked about that has so much power. And then that, so themselves and others and then God recognizing that all things that I have, the very breath that I take, everything that makes me happy or joyful or feel safe or peaceful um, is connected to God. And I'm grateful for that. Oh, it's so good because I think one of the dangers and maybe one of the things that's causing so much anxiety and depression is those three areas being so overlooked. They are so overlooked because we're so focused on what's holding our attention with our device. Something I like to say often is, um, what holds your attention holds you. Or what you focus on, you get more of. You know, like we have to really intentionally do important things like that. So thank you so much for coming up with that tool that's so healthy for each one of us too. So beautiful. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, I don't, I'm, I just wanted to, I'll share if I have time, but you sisters that are here listening, I hope that you're taking notes and I also hope that you're noticing some of the ahas that you're having or even questions that you might be having as we're going along. Because on the hour, um, we're going to give you some more information, but then we're going to go into like a Q&A commenting portion of our meeting for about 25 minutes 
and you'll be able to ask questions you have or clarify things that maybe you almost understood but didn't. But what is so powerful is if you'll be noticing in your notes that you're taking, be noticing what you heard that made you think, I'm writing that down. That was good stuff. When you write that down and then you share it in your voice with me, what I almost heard that the Spirit was trying to teach me, when you said it the way you heard it, I, I got it. It hit me that time. And so would you just be, be noticing that to share that um, afterward? Ah, okay. I'm so glad we're going to talk about your your tool of the parent 10-minute check-in because it's like a full circle, you know, from what we started at of how important connection was and how that became part of your mission was to really care about teens and all that they go through. And as you were expressing that, it was so obvious that that is something that you have passion behind because it makes you emotional when you talk about it. When you're saying teens are, that's, it's a tricky time. And I'm feeling so driven to be a helpful person there in any way I can. Um, but this, uh, I love this because it gives parents something small that they can remember to do that has so much meaning and power behind it. Will you share this with us, your 10-minute parent check-in? Certainly. So this is really meant to be in partnership with that Teen Take 30, and it really kind of balances out that help and assistance for teens. And I think it's also a good way to help your teen understand, you know, I really would love to practice Teen Take 30 with you. And again, it's something that I do, so it's not something that we just have our, you know, send our kids off to do. It is really a practice, something that we really try to do together. Um, and we talk about how we feel about it and things like that. But, you know, one of the, the counterbalances with, with teens is to say, you know, I'm really going to be working on doing this 10 minutes a day with you and to connect with you, you know, and I would love for you to really focus on Teen Take 30 and we can kind of cheer each other on and help each other on through this. So Teen Take 30 is the parent approach to checking in with teens. And I wanted to start out by saying there is no right or wrong way to do this. I have kind of some outlines that work for me and kind of the research-based studies that I've done about it and what I've personally witnessed in my own life with this. But this is very much something that you can modify and do whatever works for you. And there's no too late of time to do this. So whether you have a tween or whether you have an 18 or 19 year old that's maybe still living at home, there is no too, you know, oh, it's too late for me to start doing this. There is never too late to start connecting and start this relationship. And it may, if you, if you haven't been trying to connect a lot with your teen or feeling like your teen doesn't want to connect with you, because that is very much a reality in this world, you know, teens, that's part of just, you know, their identity shift there. They become independent. So, you know, it's really something that I feel very strongly that can be modified and that it's never too late and that it's okay to say to your teen, look, I'm going to try this and I don't know how well it's going to work for us, but we're going to figure it out together and, and figure out what works for us because then they're know that you're, they're on this, you know, you're on the same team with them and teens need to know that like we're, we're a team. You know, we always joke with our teen 
uh, with her for, you know, we were always like, you know, we're, we're on team daughter, we're on team, you know, like we're on the same team here. We're trying to help you. So the 10 minute check-in is parents taking, you know, or guardians spending 10 minutes a day checking in is what I call it, or connecting with their team. So statistics right now, and I have done, I have, I have taken uh, mental health first aid. I have a mental health first aid certification um, with an eight hour course that I attended, um, a suicide prevention course also that I attended. I've sat through a lot of classes about this and also done a lot of personal research on my own. Teens today state that they are lonely, which seems shocking because they are so connected, quote unquote, online and on their devices. And so to hear that, you know, people may think, oh, wow, well, how are they lonely? They're constantly chatting with their friends and they're constantly, you know, on social media connecting, but it's not real connection. And so that's really what I want to stress here. This 10 minutes a day is connecting one-on-one face-to-face, you know, with your team. So it's taking 10 minutes a day, finding a quiet place with your team when you can spend away from distractions Um, And I'll give a little bit more insight about that in a minute. And then it's really just checking in, asking about their day, asking about, you know, if there's a friend situation that they have, you know, how how are things going with so-and-so? Did you get that figured out? Or, you know, how is practicing, you know, your soccer practice going? How is that? So you can start out with any, anything that you know that they're involved in or struggling with or excited about. And just, it's a conversation. Um, It's getting in and finding out if they're okay. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's not a negative, like a Q&A interview. It really is just connecting. And so make it natural. Um, and then at the end, I really love to ask questions like, okay, well, even if things are going 100% great for them, you know, they just made a team and they're doing well in school. And, you know, at that point in life, they're doing fabulous. I still think it's a great idea to just say, you know, well, how can I help you today? Or how can I help you this week? Or what can I do to help make things easier for you? You know, or I love if they're struggling through something to just say, you know, what can I do to cheer you on from this? What, what is help helpful for me to do in your mind? Because I think as parents, I know sometimes I do things and I think, well, I'm trying to help. And teenagers are thinking, well, that's not helpful. And so I've learned again from my own experience because I feel like, oh, I'm the mom. I think I know how to help or fix this. And I've learned very much that that's not necessarily the best approach, right? They, you know, they're growing and they're maturing and they know what they need. And so really that has been very humbling to me because that's something that I, as the mama bear who thinks I know everything has to step aside and say, okay, how can I help you or what I do? Um, And then it's ending that time with some form of physical touch, um, like a hug or a pat on the arm or a back scratch. And I will be the first one to say that some teens, and in fact, many of them, and it is, it's a brain developmental thing. I've studied this too. Some of them don't love, love, love to be touched. And they're going through this identity shift where they're not the little kid that's giving you bear hugs all the time and holding your hand. They're, they're, they're travailing along this path to become an adult and they're trying to figure it out too. So don't be offended if they don't want to hug you or they don't want to touch you or, but there's little ways to sneak it in. Um, like I said, just touching them on the arm or, you know, giving them a back scratch, a lot of teens, like a foot rub or a back scratch, a back scratch, or just, you know, even, you know, if they like a bear hug, go for it. But really, there is a lot of science behind this. And again, this is something I've experienced in my own life. But I thought, well, why does this work? Like, why, why does this the way that this is? You know, why do we feel like this? And so what that physical touch does 
is it does multiple things. It releases oxytocin, which is that feel-good hormone, right, that makes us feel better. And then it also um, helps trigger those neurotransmitters that are dopamine and serotonin that we learn about. I think that's kind of, those are buzzwords lately, but those help regulate mood, relieve stress, relieve anxiety. So there really is a science behind that physical touch. So it, and it may be kind of a slow and coming process with your teen. But even if you're just sitting on the couch next to them, touching them, just try to get it in if you can, because that really is an, an important part of that connection with, with anyone, but the teens specifically in this regard. Mm -hmm. oh, it's so good. I, I'm just kind of laughing because just yesterday we had, um, it was one of those moments where this could go completely black, completely bad and our whole family dynamic, could, we could all be walking away from this table, this kitchen table, feeling like that was horrible. Um, and it sometimes you have to just like, joke your way into being able to touch somebody like really it was like i went over to my daughter just because she i could tell she was like i'm done with you and you and you like we're done and so i said so anyway i just said well let's just have a group hug she just, <laughs> she just freaked out like we're not having one of those and so then i said or would you rather you know remember when you were little and you would kiss me on the lips <laughs> and she loved that right yeah, I said remember when you would kiss me on the lips and you and she's like mom that's when I was little and I said oh but that'd be a lot easier than a group hug if you'll just kiss me on the lips and so I'm just kind of you know trying to get in and she's like no you know get away from me you know but by the time that I had teased her about how much slobber she had on her face when she would kiss me on the lips and how she used to pretend like she was a kitty and would lick our cheeks when she was little, you know, like a cat licks people. And anyway, it just changed everything to the point where my husband stood up and her brother stood up and we all just grabbed her and she was okay with a group hug and <laughs> everything got better. But had we just went with, wow, she is really bothering us and that's not even cool. We're all just gonna leave. It would have sent this whole different feeling, um, especially to her, but it sure helped us, you know? But it just took a lot of, cause that is not what I wanted to. I wanted to say, I'm kind of done with you. I'm kind of hurt and you kind of bother me. <laughs> that's what I wanted to do, you know? Uh, but I thought, okay, how can I shift this? I've got to figure out how to shift this. But anyway, so I just think getting kids to uh, have a connection at any level you can uh, when they're trying to figure out their teenage-ness. And so are we trying to figure out them? It's, yeah, it's had a lot of value at my house to just, even if you have to joke about it, to get in there. So good. Well, you know, um, would you just share your, your acronym about the date? Like, yes. Thank you. So again, I have acronyms for everything. Now they're all over, you know, the cell phone verbiage and whatnot. And I think, well, I've been doing that for years because that's how my brain works. So date, D-A-T-E. 
So think of the letters as I explain this. So develop for D, develop a trust everlasting. So that's my acronym for D-H-E-E. And we like to take our kids, we start when they're five, and we have continued through teenage years on a date. And it's not a wine and dine experience where we take them out to eat and to movies. And, you know, we don't have the money and the time and the resources for that. It really is an hour once a month, one parent at a time. You know, we switch off. So it's because, again, we're busy. So one parent takes one teen, tween, or teenager. And, and we really just connect. We share a cookie. We ask how they're doing. Sometimes we do something fun. We go on a hike. You know, we're moving. We, we like to run as a family, so we do that. But it really is taking that time to develop that trust with your team so that if they are having a hard time, they know that there's an opportunity that they're going to have one-on-one -on -one with you for an hour that they can talk. And if not, you just have fun and you do other things. But that's just an opportunity that they know is available to them. Ah, thank you. I love that. And I love that it's an acronym. I love acronyms, but develop a trust everlasting. When I asked my adult children what I could have done better before I did a presentation on, um, you know, approaching the topic of protecting our families from, you know, with internet safety and the danger of pornography, you know, before I did that to a, a group of women, I ask all my adult children, what do, what do you think I did right? And what do you think I could have done better? And all of them agreed, the thing that I could have done better, but it was my adult daughter that brought it up first, was that. Have something that's regular and in place that if I have something to tell you, I don't have to use all my guts and my courage to come find you and finally say it. Have something in place where I know I'm going to have to sit in front of you anyway. Uh, like we're going to have this little time where it's just what we do. I sit in front of you and we talk or we go out and get a soda or whatever it is. But I know that if I can't say it now, there's going to be an opportunity for me to be just with you and have that time to just tell you. And I was like, that is so cool. I'm glad I'm a little smarter now because I actually had started doing that with my younger two. And so, but thank you for, for that. Thank you so much for being here. Amber, do you want to share oh. your bill mail before everybody leaves with us and what that is? Oh, so I just have, yes. Yeah, so again, I just believe very firmly that we need to cheer each other on in life, especially as mothers, because we all are facing different challenges and different hard things and also good things. Well, I've just learned in life, it's good to cheer people along. And I had this tender experience when I ran my very first marathon and I thought I was going to die when some beautiful soul cheered me on right at the point that I was ready to give up. And so that's kind of where this bell metal comes into play is that just the loud hearing, you know, the, the loud sound that you can hear of someone cheering you on, it just can lift anyone's spirit. So it's just kind of a little fun thing that that I do just to kind of help people. And it's just bell mail. Bell mail. So it's a, it's a cowbell, a ceramic cowbell, because that's what the woman in the marathon was doing, was ringing a cowbell and cheering, cheering you on. Yes. Yep. She was cheering me on. And just again, and I feel like some people are past the point in struggles where they can ask for help. And that's kind of where I was at that point because I had hit the wall and was dehydrated and couldn't ask for help. But I wanted to sit down and be done. And she was looking for that 
you know, she was, she saw a need and she filled it by simply ringing a bell. And sometimes that's all people need and it makes such a difference. Thank you. Oh, so cool. There's also one other quote on here, Amber, that I just loved and, and we didn't get to it today. So I'm just going to ask you about it. Yeah. So that quote just says, see the best in your team so they can see the best in themselves. And I think as parents, sometimes it's hard. I know for me to see with some of the emotions and mood swings and, you know, the drama sometimes that follows teenagers to see the best in them. And we, you know, sometimes we think, why can't they do this? Or why are they doing this? And really they need from us, you know, they need that, that feedback to be better, but they also really first and foremost need us to see them for who they truly are and the beautiful souls and the growing souls that they really are. And to tell them that. Oh, good. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you for coming, Amber. Next Thursday, uh, we do have another presenter, Vonna Davis, is coming in, not to take away from Amber, because this has been so awesome today. Feel free to join us next week. Also, just a reminder to everybody, if you haven't taken our Mom Power training, January 14th is when it's going to be starting. It's an eight-week course. And if you're already uh, within Life Changing Services or in a program here, the cost is already included in your program costs. And just a quick overview of Mom Power Training is to help increase your peace and spiritual routines, help you build stronger bonds in your family relationships, increase your ability to center your life in Christ, fortify your divine identity and purpose, helps empower you to recognize and defeat the tactics of the adversary, and increases your faith community and, and helps you build a support system with like-minded women. To register for that, just go to mompowertraining.com. We're so glad that you guys could be here with us today at Breakfast with Karen, and be sure to join us over the next couple of weeks and then again in January. Thank you so much, April. Oh, I'm so happy that you came today, Amber. Oh, I appreciate it so much. It's so wonderful to hear the things you've been inspired to do and share with people and your why behind it has been really motivating for me to then apply the things that you've said. Thank you. Thank you. Amber, we love you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. The Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests, and the Clark and Linda Show, a courageous couple that shares their journey of pornography addiction and how that affected their marriage and family. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersYouKnow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know. 
and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothershoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. And by the way, if you do enroll in a program, use our promo code MWK on the enrollment form to get $25 off a Sense of Human intake session. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.